Hey everyone, Patrick Andre here, and I just want to say thank you for joining me for another episode of Made for More. Today I want to deal with the principle of ownership. Let me say that again, ownership. I was thinking the other day, it's amazing how children very easily, they learn to make a very bold statement. They love to announce, that's mine. For some reason, it's one of the first words in a child's vocabulary. Don't ask me why, it just is. And it's not just a word. The bottom line is it's an attitude. Um, It's an attitude that what you have belongs to me. There's so many people in life that have that same attitude, even as they grow up. The struggle over ownership begins early in life, as I said. And before we learn to walk or dress ourselves, we learn that if we want it, it's ours. And then we spend the rest of our lives chasing stuff, quote unquote stuff. Sometimes it seems that our whole existence is built around getting more for ourselves and keeping others from taking it. But you know what? The real truth is this, it all belongs to God. The book of 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 14 says this, Who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. See, when we give to God, we're not just taking our hands uh, off of what already we have. We are just taking our hands off of what already belongs to God. So it all belongs to him. The idea of ownership is really at the very heart of stewardship and specifically the issue of tithing. In order to be a true steward of God, um, we must recognize that everything we have belongs to him in the first place. To give cheerfully really means you have an adequate understanding that what you're giving doesn't really belong to you anyway. It belongs to God. And David sums it up this way in the book of Psalms. That's uh, chapter 24, verse 1. He says, The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Listen, there's nothing that exists that doesn't already belong to God, and that is something that we must all wrap our head around and our heart around. It's all His. And our tithe is merely a way of recognizing that fact. David, uh, he expressed the same conviction in his prayer that I shared with you in 1 Chronicles 29. You see, in his last days as King, David had initiated a capital campaign to raise funds to build the temple. The building of the temple was a life dream that he had. A dream directly given to him from God. Now, David had many successes during his reign as king, but the one driving force, the one that really drove him, was to build this place of worship in Jerusalem. David had the plans, he had the details ready to go, but it was really God's plan that Solomon, David's son, would build the temple. But still, David was passionate about the project, and so he started the campaign by putting in a large offering of his own, of gold and silver. 
The people followed his lead. They responded in the same way with their own offerings. He watched with pride as leaders and government officials came forward with gifts of gold and silver and bronze and iron and precious stones. Army commanders and generals followed with their own offerings. The offering turned into a celebration as David and his people rejoiced at the response. David could easily have patted himself on the back, bragged about his leadership in this endeavor, but he didn't. You see, David understood that what was happening and he put the accolades where they belonged at at the feet of God. In his own poetic fashion, like he often did, he praised God for the generosity of the people while recognizing who the source of that generosity was. Again, he says, everything in earth, in heaven and earth is yours. David said in his prayer to God, wealth and honor come from you. David understood the very, very basic principle of giving to God. And what is it? That it all belongs to God in the first place. Yes, he gave a large part of his fortune to this project. But everything he gave, the truth of it is, it already belonged to God. And yes, the people responded with outstanding generosity. But they only responded with what was already God's. I think David summed it up again in verse 14. He says, who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? You see, once we understand that everything we have comes from God and belongs to him, the whole issue of stewardship takes on new light. It goes to a whole new level. It's not a matter of giving up what belongs to me. Stewardship is managing God's resources and using those resources to build his kingdom. Generosity isn't measured against what someone else gives. It's rooted in our understanding of God's ownership of all that we have and our willingness, let me repeat this, our willingness to let go and let God use our resources as he sees fit. A man by the name of Zig Ziglar, a really, really popular motivational speaker who has since gone on to the Lord, he tell, told the story of a farmer who sat around listening to a sermon on tithing. The preacher was talking about how God owned everything, but the farmer disagreed. So after the service, the farmer invited the preacher out to his farm for dinner. And after the meal, the farmer and the preacher took a walk outside, and the farmer made a point of showing the preacher around his farm. Showed him his house, the barn, the tool shed, and he finished up by showing him the crops. So he asked the preacher, I worked all my life on this land. Do you mean to tell me that it's not my land, but it's the Lord's land? Preacher thought about it for a moment. And he said, ask me the same question a hundred years from now. For many people, tithing is an exercise of guilt and calculation. Can I afford to give 10% this week? Do I have to give 10% of my net or gross pay? If I put this check in the offering, can I pay my bills next week? Those are all great questions. 
Or we end up resorting back to our toddler selfishness, telling ourselves, I worked hard for this. I built this with my own hands. I deserve to spend this money on myself. But recognizing God's ownership of all that we have removes these obstacles and opens the way for generosity to flow from our heart. If we can really accept that God already owns it and that it's not ours, it's easier to give God a percentage as a way of saying to him, hey, look, it's all yours anyway. The great thing about God's ownership is the freedom it brings. When God owns everything, he's responsible. We're just the managers. Our task is only to take care of what he has given us, what he has provided for us, to be just nothing more than a distribution center for everything he wants distributed to others, to communities, to the world. Listen, Jesus reminds us that when we try to take ownership for ourselves, things will not end. Well, they won't end well. What we possess is only temporary. It will not last forever. So do not store up for yourself treasures, the Bible says, on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But stop. Store up, excuse me, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust don't destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. And on the other hand, when we accept God's ownership and remove our hands from it, he promises to take care of things. Jesus follows up with these words. So I tell you, don't worry about your life and what you will eat or drink or about your body and what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans, the lost ones, run after all these things. But your heavenly Father knows that you need them. That's in Matthew chapter 6, 25 verses... Excuse me, Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 32. Listen, I want you to make a decision today. I'm challenging you right now to get on board and understand that everything you have... Everything your family has, just from, the, from, the, from a minor amount of money to a thriving business, it's yours today only because God has blessed you with it. And we, you, all of us, your family, have got to understand that it belongs to God and that we're just here to be a manager of it.
It needs to become an important thing in our lives. So listen, 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 listen. How can you become better at recognizing this principle today? The principle of ownership and who it is that really owns it all. Listen, I want to thank you today for joining me on Made for More. Because these truths that I've shared with you today, they are part of what's going to help you understand why you were made for more. You were made to do more with what God has blessed you with. So today, I just want to tell you we love you and God bless you. And I'm looking forward to being here with you again on the next episode of Made for More. This is Patrick Andre. You can visit our website for even more teachings and more material and more media at www.patrickandre.com. I look forward to being with you again. God bless. Bye-bye.